You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. There's a lot of hungry families around us. More and more are finding themselves in need every day. At North Valley, we want to invite you to partner with us. Together, we can help food insecure families in the Deer Valley Unified School District. Together, we can make a difference because it's our community and our responsibility. Let's step out of the box together. Well, good morning, North Valley. That video was shot from the uh, bed of my my daughter's bedroom, or or, uh, recorded from the bed of my daughter's bedroom when I was tucking her in. That's little Maya that said that. We did that voiceover together. And this is an out-of-the-box campaign that we do. We gather food during the Christmas holiday season, and then we provide it to food-insecure families within the Deer Valley Unified School District. And yesterday, uh, or last Sunday, you guys took 100 boxes. And so I just want to say thank you for doing that. Um, we've got all the materials on there. Listen, your generosity, your, your, your caring, your connecting, it makes a big impact. So uh, thanks so much for doing that. We're going to deliver those to families in the Deer Valley Unified School District this holiday season. So if you want to grab a box, you can grab a box on your way out today. And then when you fill them up with your family, I encourage you, you can just bring them back to the church and then we'll distribute them out through the, uh, through the, uh, through the holiday season. So this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the, the passage uh, in Malachi, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Uh, Malachi is uh, an Italian prophet. Just joking. Malachi. Uh, no, his, his name is Malachi. And uh, he is a, he's a guy who's uh, ordained and called by God to speak to the nation of Israel and uh, during this time in which uh, Malachi is, is prophesying and proclaiming, it was a season and a time when the nation of Israel had gone into exile. They'd come out of exile. They'd come back to Jerusalem, built the temple. Things were going well. Nehemiah had just restored and renewed the temple, and everything was going pretty well. And then the nation of Israel, this is 500 plus years before the time of Christ, uh, was, was kind of moving into lackadaisical uh, mentality. That um, often happens in churches around America. When the church first gets a first home, everybody in the beginning is enthusiastic to serve, enthusiastic to share their faith. And then when they get in the building, they think, oh, we made it. And then things kind of slump off. And one of the biggest tests for spiritual faith and vitality is the area of generosity. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about the financial game plan. And we're going to see in this passage that God challenges the nation of Israel because the entire nation is struggling. The, the, the religious leaders, the believers, everybody's struggling really to be faithful and honor the Lord in the area of the finances. And, uh, and today, um, you know, as we talk about this financial game plan, I understand some of you come in here, you got a lot of debt. Some of you don't have a lot of debt. Some of you have a lot more income. Some of you don't have as much income. Um, and what I want to do is talk to you about putting God first in every area of your life. It's easy to put God first in your marriage because you're like, Lord, I need, I, need a, I need a strong marriage. It's easier to put God first in the area of your kids. Oh, Lord, I want good kids. I'm going to put you first. But in the area of your finances, I want to challenge you just to put God first in everything. And I wouldn't be a good pastor and a good friend to you if I didn't challenge you to do so. 
And what we're going to see is that God challenges the nation of Israel, uh, and he tests them. And he says, see if I won't do something incredible. Here's what I want to show you this morning. I want to show you in Malachi chapter, uh, th- chapter 3, verse 10, he says this to the nation of Israel, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine. The field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delight, uh, be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I think it's important for you to understand kind of three kinds of popular theology when it comes to finances that is in American churches today. There's the, the theology that's been called the prosperity theology. The prosperity theology teaches that um, the God loves the rich, and he loves to just give more money to, to those uh, and that he loves, and then it, it, your wealth is an indication of your potential, your holiness, or your, your level of faith. And, and the truth is, is that you know and I know that there's, there's rich, godly people, right? And the Bible's filled with that. And there's Abraham and and uh, Jacob, and Joseph, and all throughout the scriptures, there's very godly, wealthy people. But is it not true that there's plenty of wealthy people that are very ungodly? And they're cheats, and they're frauds, and they're, they're, they're shysters. Uh, and then you, you, there's this kind of mentality and prosperity theology that if you just give your life to Jesus, then you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and you're just going to be blessed. And there's plenty of Christians God-loving Christians that give their lives to Jesus Christ, and then they're sick, and they don't have a lot of money, but they're very godly. God loves the poor. God loves the rich. There's also this kind of theology that's been called poverty theology. It's this idea that um, if, you're, if you take a vow of poverty, you're ridding yourselves from the, from the world and materialism, and that, that God really just loves the poor, and he really just loves the poor, and the rich he despises. And that really is not true at all. I mean, how many, um, you, you, you know of poor people that are very godly and they're honorable and they love the Lord, they just don't have a lot of money. You think in, in the New Testament, uh, when Jesus uh, esteemed and, and made mention of the woman who gave all that she had, I'll just read it to you. You can listen in Luke chapter 21, verses one through four. Jesus looked up and saw the rich people putting in their gifts into the offering box. And then he saw a poor widow who put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. They, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. So God loves the poor, God loves the rich. So how are we to view finances? I would advocate, and the Bible clearly teaches, this idea of stewardship. Stewardship theology means whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, you're to, you're to understand a couple of things. This is not on your program, but you might want to take notes. The first is that you belong to God. You belong to God. The Bible says is that you were bought and purchased for a price, and that price was Jesus Christ. You belong to God. Your children belong to God. Your husband belongs to God. Your wife belongs to God. Your friends belong to God. Everybody belongs to God. Secondly, everything belongs to God. 
everything in the whole world. It's his. He's the creator, CEO. He owns it all. And then the third thing in stewardship theology is you just understand that, you know what? I need to be a steward. I need to manage everything I've got, whether I've got a little or whether I've got a lot. That's my job. And you realize that, and it'll set you free. I believe that this message series will help change your life. I teach on finances about three times out of the, out of the year or do a series kind of like we're going to be doing in this one. Jesus spoke about uh, finances and resources about 25% of the time in the Gospels. You'll see that. It's incredibly important because God wants to have every area of your life. He wants you to put him first in your marriage, in your family, in your parenting, and in your, re- in your finances. So we're going to teach this idea of stewardship theology. So I figured, in order just to kickstart us, what would be better than be able to get a live testimony and a story of a family that was challenged to really live out their faith in the area of their finances. So will you welcome to the stage with me, Todd and Sam Burdine. All right. Well, Todd and Sam, thanks for joining me here today. This is going to be fun. <laughs> it's always fun to get up and talk to Ryan. There you go. It's much less than 100 other people. There you go. We went to lunch the other day, Todd, and you guys, you know, I mean, you, your story has been, you guys have been really blessed in so many different ways, got great educations, great work experiences, have really, God's honored and blessed your marriage. I mean, you're, you guys have grown in your faith, and this idea of biblical stewardship, you understand uh, we talked about that, but it was all tested in 2009 when you lost your job. So why don't you share with us about that experience right there? You really want me to share that? Yeah, I really do. Okay. Um, I was at my office. Uh, my boss had walked in, and uh, he came up and said, um, you know, we're downsizing. And I'd never experienced being downsized before. So I lost my job, and it was pretty devastating. It's the first time I'd ever been unemployed before. Uh, so they took my phone. They took my, uh, my computer. So I had no way to communicate. I jumped in my car, and I'm heading home, and I couldn't even call my wife. Uh, I mean, it was pretty devastating. And then I was thinking the whole way home, I'm like, you know, why is this so devastating to me? And as I pondered on it, I became or self-aware that, my self-worth was kind of made up in my, in my job. So I said, that's one unhealthy thing right there. So I got home and knocked on the door, and my wife opened the door. I used, oh, I used the key. That's right. You're welcome in our home. That's right. I used the key. And, <laughs> and she began to freak out because I never went home during the daytime. And she goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you sick? What's wrong? And uh, (laughs) I I said, I just lost my job. And she goes, well, I wish you were sick instead of losing your job. No, she didn't didn't say that. Hey, this is unplugged right here. (laughs) Keep it real, North Valley. But, you know, we we went to a strategy session, and it was like uh, we went to lunch and said, what are we going to do? And she was the calm one, and I was just in a fog. And we always wanted to be in Arizona, so um, we decided that we were going to pack up and move to Arizona. And we had family here, so it made sense for us to do it. And uh, when we got here, first place we went was to my in-laws' house, and it's hard to move in with your in-laws, trust me on that one. Uh, (laughs) But 
I found pretty good employment immediately, almost immediately. And Sam, she really looked hard and looked hard, and, and she really couldn't hardly find anything. So we, we began to struggle with that. Uh, so that's kind of how, yeah. how we got there. And then, Sam, I know that you, you said that you had sought kind of some, some uh, advice from a Christian life coach kind of in the area of your career and why weren't doors opening up and kind of exploring the market. And, and then you got some kind of some challenging advice. Why don't you share about that, that time? Yeah, so one of the things Todd didn't mention is um, that was a, a two-year, we planned on that being temporary, and I was unemployed for two years. Um, and I think it's important to mention that I also placed an incredible amount of my self-worth in my job. Um, we didn't have children. I had been gainfully employed since I was 17. And during that season, there was no amount of prayer, no amount of volunteer work, no amount of job applications or leveraging my network. And, and I'm from here um, that was going to get me a job. So I went and saw a Christian life coach. And one of the things he said to me um, when I was leaving one day is, uh, are, you, are you guys tithing? Um, and are, are you tithing on all of your gross income that comes through the household? And we were giving, but we weren't tithing, um, and certainly not on every gross dollar that comes through the household because we had like a rental property and things like that. Um, so when I walked out of there, I mean, this is a two-year stretch where I basically just feel like a loser. I mean, again, no children, and now I don't even have a house to take care of because we're in my eight-by-eight eight bedroom that I grew up in. Um, so... I left and I walked out to the parking lot and, you know, quite honestly, I was crying and I, sorry, I said, um, got to the car and quite like a child throwing a tantrum, very disrespectfully, I, I said, all right, God, um, your word says to test you in this, so you better get ready because here it comes. And I called Todd and I said, um... I told him what I was going to do. And <laughs> November of 2010, so actually it was this week of November of 2010 that um, I emptied out our bank account to catch us up on tithing for the whole year of 2010. And, um, <laughs> and, then I, and then I, after I did that, I said, God, bring it. I was so mad. I was so I, mad. I wish I could have been there to see it. <laughs> God, bring it. <laughs> That's good. We all need bring it moments, you know. That's good. Okay, so Todd, how, how did this land on your ears? Like, were you like, what is going on? Uh, yeah, I initially, initially thought what was going on, but Sam also handles our finances. And I'm live, you have to remember, I'm living in the bedroom she grew up in <laughs> with my in-laws. Couldn't, a, couldn't get much worse. Couldn't get much worse. It couldn't get much worse. So I'm like, okay, that sounds good to me. As long as I get my allowance, not really concerned about it. <laughs> so, we all need an allowance. Yeah. So so I got my allowance and uh, we went ahead and, and uh, I, you know, but I knew it was the right thing to do and, and yeah. seriously. And uh, because we just, we had never done it. And this was a catalyst that started it. Yeah. So Sam, talk about kind of the the blessing that you saw God do, kind of an extraordinary beginnings of a new season and a, and a game changer for you in, in the area of finances. How, how did that look like? What did that look like? This, it, 
it changed everything. I mean, to be honest, I did it out of rebellion. I was just like, I'm done. And so I didn't even have a good heart when I did it. <laughs> but, um, you know, God is true to his word, and he said to test you in this. And, and in the next week, all of the stories that you hear about, you know, money showing up in the mail and stuff like that. I know a lot of people make fun of televangelists, but there's some things that are worthwhile listening to. And, and money just showed up out of nowhere. So we were not late on one bill. And um, that was the first sigh of relief. And then in the next month, not only did I have one job offer, I had two, and one of them being my favorite places on earth, which is Colorado. So I got to go back to Colorado. And it wasn't just a lesson about tithing. Um, it was God blessing me time with my parents um, while we were living with them, because three weeks after I returned to Arizona, from that job in Colorado, my father was killed in, a, in an accident, and we were very close. Um, so I was very grateful for that time, and actually felt bad that I was spending so much time looking for a job, you know, once I realized what God was trying to do. We also uh, learned to hold our careers and money very, very loosely, which is amazing now because um, when we did finally have kids, I know you think we should have grandkids, but we actually have little toddlers. <laughs> and um, when we did finally have children, um, I was able to walk away from my career and, and do what God called me to do and have time available for them and for my mom. And um, But I think the, the most amazing story that you guys will be most compelled by, um, I was actually doing some data crunching for this talk and um, every year since uh, we did that, um, God has increased our income, despite me changing careers, on average 15% per year. And um, coincidentally, this year, uh, we felt called um, to start giving 15% um, on all our gross income. And we actually finished that September 30th. So. And then I asked you like a few, like a week ago, or two weeks ago, asked you guys to share. That's amazing. Yep. Can we celebrate what God's doing? Isn't that cool? You know, um, my wife is the kind of the same way, Todd. Like, I remember when we were um, didn't really have a lot, and we were just starting out, and I, I was charged to go raise a ton of money for uh, Luis Palau uh, evangelistic ministry, and, and I was in charge of the City Fest in for the youth side. And I just w hit a roadblock. And my wife said, what do, what do you think's going on? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, I guess these people aren't very generous. And then she said, Ryan, how about you? And I said, how about me? And she said, what, what, what are you putting in? What are we putting in? And she challenged me in that moment. And I said, you know what? I'm surrendered to the word of God. And I want to do this. And then as soon as we pulled that trigger and started giving faithfully, all the resources came in, and what a joy. There was 5,000 people in attendance that day. There was 500 young people that put their faith in Jesus Christ that day. It was incredible, you know? And so you see the blessings. Some of the blessings come in materially. Some of them come in spiritually. Some of them come in relationally. So, Todd, how, what would you say to the, this, this, uh, our, our friends and family here at North Valley about kind of this subject? Well, I would say um, trust God, trust your spouse, have a healthy work-life uh, balance as far as your self-worth is concerned, and always understand that, that you really cannot outgive God. 
Amen. Can we give them another round of applause? Thank you so much. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about the area of tithing and what that means and what that looks like. The first thing I think you need to know about tithing is that tithing is really about a blessing. It's about blessing. It's interesting when um, Malachi is recording the words and thoughts of God to the nation of Israel. In this short little passage, he begins with blessing and then he ends with blessing. It, it's really all about blessing because I can think back to the, the moment that we pulled the trigger and said, you know what, we're going to start being faithful with our finances. No matter that we don't have a lot, we don't really, and I was, I was upset because there was a lot of other people in the church that I was working at that were making more money than I was and I was working twice as hard. And uh, it became a hard issue. And so uh, we decided, you know what, no matter what, no matter how much we have, we're going to give. And when we gave, I look back and I see the impact that that had. I really do believe that God was kind of holding things back. Ryan, you're not going to be able to raise money. You're not going to be able to do this unless you're obedient. You're the leader. And and you're the one that needs to model this. And when I saw that blessing come, I saw the 5,000 young people there, 500 people. It was at that time, one of the largest youth rallies ever in the state of Arkansas. And then just a few years later, City Fest came and there was millions of people there and a hundred thousand plus people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So I think God's got a game plan when it comes to the area of finances. And so I want to talk to you about tithing. Tithing is a blessing. Look, look what he says in verse 10. He says, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. That test is like, he's saying, test me, Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. He says that from heaven to earth, there'll pour down a blessing. This is what I would call an extraordinary provision. Um, When you choose to trust God and tithe, you can expect that there will be a blessing. Uh, What that will look like, he says, a blessing. Uh, For the nation of Israel, it was going to be be the right amount of rain, the right amount of sunshine, fertile soil, protection against the locusts and all the things that would destroy the crops. And he says, see if I won't pour down a blessing. Here's what I always tell people. I got up this morning and I thought, I'm excited to teach on this. And and you ask maybe why. Here's why. Because to me, when you live like this, you get to experience extraordinary provisions. Uh, I'll share with you a a short story. Um, Years ago, uh, my son Sam, um, he came to me and he said, Dad, I've I've got 20 bucks. And uh, I know I'm supposed to tithe. You, you taught me that. And I said, yes, I did. I'm glad you remember that. And he said, uh, but if I tithe, I can't go to GameStop and get what I want there. And I said, well, true that. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, he said, so what do you want me to do, Dad? I said, Sam, I love you, bud. It's your choice. You, you do what you feel is best. He said, okay. He ended up going ahead and giving two bucks. He tithed. I didn't know about it. And then um, sometime later, I was teaching on it, and I found out, and my, oh, well, my son did it, and I was, was sharing that story, and I, I shared the story and, uh, in, in church one Sunday, and after the service, it was funny, this lady came up to me, and she said, it's really funny that you taught on that this morning, because just last week, I received a check, extraordinary provision, and it was $200, and the Lord spoke to me this morning and told me that I needed to give about 20 bucks to a young person, maybe that needed encouragement in the area of giving. And I said, 
wow. And she said, I, I'd like to give it to your son, but you give it to him. And I said, oh, okay, I'll give it to him. And then she gave me the $20 bill, and I was so excited. Oh, man, this is going to be a great lesson for my son. Extraordinary provision. So I'm going to share with him, and she grabs me, and she says, hey, 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 real quick, don't tell him I gave it to you. And I said, okay, why? And she said, because I don't want him coming back for more. I said, okay, I get it. So I went and I gave it to Sam. And I said, Sam, you, you did tithe, right? He said, yeah, I did, Dad. I said, how much did you tithe? He said, I gave two bucks. I said, I pulled out the 20. I go, praise God. Look, somebody, somebody told me that they were praying and they were, they were going to give this to you to encourage you. And he just couldn't believe his eye. Wow. And then he goes, maybe I should tithe this too and I should expect more. And I said, hey, listen, God's God. He can do whatever he wants. Sometimes he brings a blessing, financial. Sometimes it's a relationship. For me in that area back in Little Rock, it was a spiritual blessing. I had no greater joy to see the tithe off of the harvest of souls, 500 young kids, uh, uh, 500 young kids out of 5,000 that gave their lives to Jesus Christ. I'm like, dude, I'm in this. This financial game plan is a real deal, though, and the nation of Israel is not only going to get extraordinary provision, the Lord promises. In verse 11, he says this, I will rebuke the devourer, that's the locust, for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in, in the field. It shall not, fail, um, shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. This is special protection. The nation of Israel was promised that there would be a special protection. There's a blessing in that. That, you're, that, that the nation of Israel would be protected against failing crops. I went back to Arkansas this last week and had an awesome time with my family and an annual uh, father-son deer hunt. Been doing it for 29 years now. And um, the crops, the farmers are so upset right now because there's too much rain and the crops are being destroyed. Farmers were dependent upon things that they couldn't control. And the Lord says, I'm the God of all creation. I'll protect you. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. And then in verse 12, he says, then, and there's, we see tithing is about a blessing. It's about significant purpose. It says, then all nations will call you what? Blessed. See the blessing? Tithing is about blessing. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. There's a significant purpose. When you trust God with your finances, there's a significant purpose. We make an impact. We make a difference together when we're trusting God with our resources. In the New Testament, it's the same thing. I remember uh, years ago, um, I, there was a wealthy business guy that was a part of our church, and he had a gift of giving, and there is a spiritual gift of giving. It just comes naturally, and God tends to just pour it on more to those who have the gift of giving for a purpose. Not to raise their standard of living, but to raise their standard of giving. Look what it says in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. The Apostle Paul says, you will be enriched in every way. Here's the purpose, to be what? Generous in every way. God does want to pour out his blessing, but he wants you to use it for good. God doesn't give you what you, everything you, you, all your greeds. He wants to give you all your needs. And he wants you to be a blessing. He wants the church to be a blessing, just as the nation of Israel was to be a blessing. The nation of Israel was called upon by God, chosen out of, out of all the nations, to, sh to share and to show the love of God through the whole world. 
And they were to be a model and example, not just in their family, in their life, in their ethics, but in their finances as well. Tithing is not just about blessing, though. Tithing is about trusting. It's about trusting God. It's a heart issue. One of the most famous passages in the Old Testament is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. You might be familiar with it. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your straight, your paths. Did you know that Bible verse is actually about finances? See, in verses 9 and 10, we get the context. It says this, honor the Lord with your wealth. That trust is required to honor the Lord with our wealth. He says, and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What I want you to understand is this idea of first fruits. Tithing is really about giving a percent. It's not about the amount, it's about giving a percent. What I want you to see is that um, in, in order for you to understand this, I've got an illustration I want to give to you. If I can find it here, here it is. Okay, so when you think about tithing, I've got 10 $1 bills right here. And I'm going to get the Bible over here like this so you can see. When my kids get money or when we get money, the way, what the Lord is challenging us to do is when you get this comes in, you say to the Lord, Lord, okay, I want to honor you with my wealth. I'll take at least 10%, and I'm going to invest it into God's work, my place of worship, so that we can make an impact around the world. And, you know, that's pretty easy if you have like 10 $1 bills. I mean, you know, you just put one down, and there you go. And most, a lot of people do that. They kind of, I call it, they, they, tip, they tip God. But for a kid, this is a big deal. You give them $10 and, and, and they don't have a big income. This is huge. Hey, we want to encourage you to tithe, Sam. Okay, Riley, we want to encourage you to tithe. Okay, I'll trust the Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll invest it into the church. And I think that's a mindset we need to think about. It's investing, investing into kingdom work. But the trick is, is for all of us, is that when these aren't $1 bills, but they become $10 bills. Then you think, oh, man. That's a little bit more. That's okay. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. You know what? I got a home in heaven. I can do that. I want to invest that. The real rub comes when these become $100 bills. Then you're like, okay, I'm going to invest $100 because the Lord's been good to me. And then you might want people to see, hey, looky here. Can I get a witness right here? <laughs> I'm investing into God's program here. And then when it comes to $1,000, you have all these, these 10 ones become $1,000 bills. You got a good job. You're making good money. Then you're like, uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, I could buy a lot of things with $1,000. Uh, can I get change for this? See, here's what my point is. God doesn't care about the amount. He never has. He cares about the percent, though. He wants to take up occupancy in your life. Did you know that studies show, actually, the more money you make, the less percent people usually give? So honestly, my prayer is for many people, they say, I want to make as much as I can and give to the local church. And I always say to them, what are you giving right now? 
oh, well, I'm giving like 2%. I'm like, I'm not praying for you to make more money, man. Uh, Because here's the deal. I don't think God wants to bless anybody that's going to use it for their greeds. But if if they use it for God's glory, then I think what the Lord does is he just says, I trust you. I love you. I'm proud of you. Use this for my glory. In order to illustrate this just a little bit more, because I want you to know that that's what me and my family do. We have to trust the Lord with our resources. We want God's best in every area of our life. So here's what I'd like to do to help you understand the area of, of tithing just a little bit more, because the, the, the $10 uh, illustration or the, with the ones and all that might not be as easy to understand, but maybe this will be a little easier and a little bit more challenging and a little bit more real life. Let's just say you make $50,000 in a household income. And I know for many of you guys, that might be a lot. For some of you, that, that could be, that's not much at all. So let's just say that's the household income. Well, how do you do this? You say, okay, Ryan, maybe I will trust the Lord. Maybe I will decide to uh, tithe. And I'll, maybe I'll try that. Well, what do you do? Just take this number at the end of the day today, when, I, when you go home, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Whatever your income is, your household income, you take that total number and you go, okay, I'm going to just cut a zero off there. Now I got $5,000. And how many pay periods do you have a year? Okay, maybe I got, I got 24. Let's say I got 24 pay periods a year. So what does that come out to per pay period? About 208 bucks. So here's the deal. I, here's what I see. I see people oftentimes that decide, you know what, um, that may be tough to do, this tithing off this. But when you break it down, you're like, that could be achievable. Here's what I would say is that you need to know, for my wife and I, what we do is we give 10% off of everything we receive every year. And we have since that conversation when she told me, you need to live it out. And that was some 15 years ago. Um, we'd give 10% every year at least to the general fund, to the place of our worship. The nation of Israel was challenged to bring the tithe, that 10%, that's what the word means, to the temple. There was a storehouse, and the storehouse was either attached to the temple or inside the temple commentators debate over it. But the idea was that it was the place that would fuel and fund the ministry of, of the temple. And in very much the same way in the local church. Uh, in the temple, there was Levites and priests, and they would take up offerings. They'd give not only 10%, they would do the tithe a couple times a year, so it could be up to 30-something percent. And in the New Testament, while the Bible doesn't uh, demand that there's a, a tithe that's multiple times a year, there's this idea of sacrificial giving. Like I read to you earlier, where this lady gives 100% of all that she has. And so what I would challenge you as a believer is to when you start thinking about generosity, think about a percent, not an amount. Because you you may think, I'm a very generous person. I I grab a box and I'm going to give a box out this holiday season. Well, I just want to encourage you and challenge you is whatever comes in, if it's really God's, he's just asking you, will you honor him with that? Here's what would happen in our own church if more people jumped on the bandwagon and said, you know what, I'm going to trust God in our resources, we would move this church from having part-time staff to full-time staff. We would move this church, I mean, Pastor Craig right now volunteers 100% of his time, about 35 hours a week. 
And can we celebrate that kind of service to our church? Um, and that's cool. I mean, that's awesome. And there's seasons when people could do that. Dr. Deal, he's a pharmacist. And, and there was a season he dedicated an entire year to do the same thing. And, and some of you say, oh, man, but yeah, you're a church pastor. You guys should do that. They've got kids. They've got families. They've got homes. They've got bills. Everything, too. And from the beginning to the end, in the pattern of Scripture for the life of the believers, there was always this place of worship. I want to challenge you. Give your tithe to the local church. If this is your home, give your tithe here. If you're new here, this is all just us sharing about kind of the importance of being a part of a local church, and you get a free pass. In fact, if you're new here today, and you just say, hey, I want a resource on that, Ryan, I've got a book. I'll hand it out to you. I've got a couple back there, so first come, first serve, but I'd love to be able to hand that to you. Um, so here's what I want to encourage you to do. In the area of, of giving, let's just move through this. I like people to understand, if you're at a spot right now and you're really not able to give anything, you're giving nothing, um, I want to challenge you to take your first step and to give something. Something would be like, you, maybe it's 1%, but do a percent. Look at your finances. Because here's what's shocking, is when you write it down, oftentimes... I'm like, man, we gave so much. We gave 10%, and then we gave to the hope offering, and we gave to this other offering. We must have been given like 20-something percent. My wife's like, yeah, it was 12. <laughs> when you run the numbers. Um, so move from nothing to something, and then to significantly. Significantly would be what I would call tithing. Um, and, and the Old Testament teaches that. Um, and not just tithing once, but tithing a couple times a year. And in the New Testament, teaches this concept. Well, it doesn't teach the tithe as the mandate and the requirement. It teaches this idea, though, sacrificially. And, and, and sacrificially meaning in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'll just read to you. For they gave according to their means. That would be potentially tithing. And then he says, as I can testify, they gave beyond their means on their own accord. So I want to encourage you to do that. And then um, this is for those of you that are already given 10%, you're already tithing, praise God. I think God's going to continue to bless you. It might not be a financial blessing. It could be a spiritual blessing. It could be a relational blessing. It could be a blessing in some kind of way. Who knows how God's going to do that? But I want to challenge you, if that's easy for you, then you go to the more give until you can feel it. When, when my son said, Dad, okay, I'm going to do the two bucks, I'm going to tie. He had to say no to something. He had to say no to the game. And I loved that for him. Because I got to see in my son character forming. I'll trust God. You say to do it, Dad, I'll do it. Listen, guys, we need to do the same kind of thing. I'm saying this to you because I love you. And I really want you to live in, with Jesus Christ first place in every area of your life. So I want to challenge you, if you are already given 10% and you can uh, give uh, 15% and 20%, something like that, there's plenty of families in our church that do that and they can live on that. For some, it's a huge stretch to give the 10%. But I want to say at least give until you can feel it. And then here's, here's kind of the last idea that I want to share with you. This is something that we've never done before, but I think it's a good challenge. As we saw God challenge the nation of Israel, I think it's important. We see the Apostle Paul did a, kind of a matching program in, in, the, in the churches in Macedonia and Galatia and throughout the New Testament. I want to challenge you, those of you that have never given before a tithe, 
over the next 90 days, we want to challenge you to tithe. And if you don't see, listen to me, if you don't see some kind of extraordinary blessing in your life, and let me qualify that, it's just some out-of-the-box kind of blessing in your life, um, over the next 90 days, then we'll, we'll refund your, your, your giving. So how do you say, how do we do that? Well, you email me and say, hey, Pastor Ryan, I want to enter into the tithe challenge today. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what Sam said. I'm, I, I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it. I don't want you to talk about it with anybody, but I want you to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, is this an area I could trust you in? You say, well, I don't know if I have enough biblical data or biblical research. Well, do it. Here, I'll give you a book. I'll get, you can go buy your books. You can study the scriptures. I put a lot of extra verses in your program for you today. Get into the God's word. But I want to challenge you to do that. And if you don't see God's uh, extraordinary blessing, then you'll, you'll be refunded. Um, let me tell you about an extraordinary blessing that came just yesterday in my family. Okay? This is the real deal. This is fun. I love Jesus, and I believe every word in the Bible. Um, the other day, I was asked to do a wedding, and I do those throughout the year. And when I go to a wedding, I love it because it's an easy date night with my beautiful bride. And so we're at the wedding, and I get an honorarium at the end of the uh, a wedding for officiating the wedding. And Jay and Lisa, they just got married in Fane in our church, and it was really a spectacular wedding. And I got the honorarium, and it was more than I thought I, I should get. And I was really honored by it. And I took it to my wife, and I said, well, I said, this is what we got. I said, um, we need to tie that because we don't have any money right now to give to the hope offering. So I was praying that we'd get some money to be able to give above our regular tithe to the general fund, but maybe give to the hope offering. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll tithe on that. And then, uh, so we got in the car and then I said, you know what, well, this is what we do. This is my family. And I believe this is a biblical model. You, 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 whatever income you get, no matter where it comes from, you give 10, you save 10, and then you live on the rest. So that's what we did with that little income we got. So we're sitting there and we're driving home. And I said, tomorrow, I said, let's go have fun. You know, we can spend 80% of this gift. I said, we'll save 10, we'll give 10, and then we'll use the rest uh, to have fun. So we went out to Denny's up the street the other day at Carefree Highway, you know, best cheap breakfast in the North Valley. Just order off that dollar menu thing. That's awesome. So we're sitting there. I just kid you not, kid you not. We're sitting there. We ordered this breakfast. All the kids know. Why is dad being so nice? I said, Maya, you want to go to the dollar store? I'll take you to the dollar store. Buy you something. You know, uh, Sam, you want five or six uh, peace teas, we'll go get you some peace teas. Riley, you want some new stretchy pants? We'll get you some stretchy pants. <laughs> you know? So I'm sitting there and, and we're just having fun. And then here's what we do. We're sitting at the table and this lady comes up to us. She's serving us. And uh, she begins to share her story. And, uh, and I, I shared to her, hey, I'm a pastor. You know, we live in the community. You know, we'd love to have you at church. And you know, started ministering to her. And it, it, we didn't plan it, but it just happened. And so we're sitting there, and, and then, uh, you know, everybody ordered a little bit more than I thought they were, and the bill came in. It was a little higher, and I was like, oh, that's okay, you know. Uh, I'm Uncle Moneybags right now, you know. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and uh, we get the bill, and then the lady comes up to us afterwards, and she said, can I have that bill back? And I said, uh, oh, it must have been a mistake or something. She grabs it, and she comes back, and she says, hey, um, I... I was just told by somebody here in the uh, restaurant that they just want to say thank you for loving the Lord and living for the Lord, and they covered your whole breakfast this morning. 
And uh, I mean, that just happened. And I, here's, here's, what I, here's, here's the word picture. The Bible says, see if I will not pour down from heaven a blessing for you until there is no more need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks. You're just good. And I just pray for uh, us as men that we would realize we're like little boys compared to you, a great big father. And for the ladies that were little girls who need to trust their dad. And so in this area, I pray if from here they move out and this is not their home church. They go back to their home church and they would just honor the Lord and put you first in the area of their finances. Whether it be a college student, whether it be a stay-at-home mom, whether it be a successful employee or an employer. God, I pray that for all of us, might we just trust you and put you first. We give you great thanks for all that you're doing and all that you will do. We love you, Jesus, and we want to honor you in all that we have and trust your game plan in the area of our finances. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.